You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since that, one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars? idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what Star Wars is about. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host Caitlin and welcome to our Clone Wars analysis and recap. We have made it, friends. We have We're made here. It. We, oh, Boy, we have made it to the Siege of Mandalore, part one. <laughs> and, uh, whew. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much. I think I paced around my apartment for a good 20 to 30 minutes after it was over. Yeah, me too. I, first off, I cried through the entire thing. And then afterwards for like 30 minutes too. It was <laughs> so emotional i can't believe we're here also i have to say our intro kind of hit different today (laughs) (laughs) and the clip that we usually play after this section i was thinking about Mm -hmm. it about how dave makes a the a a series that george lucas would be proud of and i was like thinking about it as that was playing and oh man we made it we're in the last four episodes and it is so like oh my god i'm so emotional it's a lot. It's a freaking lot <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> I feel like, you know, as, as we've kind of discussed, you know, going through these ups and downs as far as like social isolation and social distancing and quarantine and like cloners is such a gift. But, oh, man, this episode hurt <laughs> in like mm-hmm. all the best ways. But I found myself yelling so much in this episode. <laughs> And yeah. crying a lot as well. It was it was a ride. It felt like it was an hour long episode, even though it was longer than what we usually have with Colners. It was what, 26, 27 minutes? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it felt so long in, in a good way. It didn't feel dragged out. It just felt like it was really action packed. But I thought the I thought the balance of the action and the conversations was really well. The, looked or was really well done sorry in this episode and that was honestly something I was a little worried about uh given some of my thoughts on the last episode together again I was a little worried it might lean more action-based and I was so pleasantly surprised in this episode (laughs) it struck a perfect balance for me yeah I think that you make a good point here but I would say that this episode was action heavy but my heartstrings were even tugged in the action sequences, which doesn't always happen. But when it does happen, that's how you know it's really, really solid Star Wars. Because mm-hmm. from the first one with Anakin and Obi-Wan, um, and then also at the very end with Ahsoka, you know, flying through the air with the Mandalorians, I was like, this is so I'm so tense, but so heartwarming, so funny, so right. It felt everything felt so right and it's it's so weird i'm still on a high after watching it yesterday seen it twice now where i really do 
I kind of think that these four episodes might be one of my favorite Star Wars movies. It feels like it was made to be a movie, to end it in this way, which makes so much sense. They started the Clone Wars with a movie, and I feel like they're going to end the Clone Wars with a movie the way that they're – it's like the way that they started it. It's it just it's so perfect. And like even the parallels between the Clone Wars movie and this, there's so there were so many that I picked up on that were subtle. And I it really it it does feel like uh, an ending or the beginning of an ending that George Lucas would be proud of. And I, I I don't know. I get so emotional when I think about it. I asked Charlotte on the phone after we watched it for the first time. I was like, do you think that George Lucas stayed up until 3 a.m. when it premiered on Disney Plus or at midnight on Disney Plus on the West Coast to watch it? <laughs> and Charlotte was like, I'm pretty sure he's already seen it, Kaylin. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. but. <laughs> Him and Melody staying up late with getting yeah. the popcorn. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that. I don't know. I wanted a story behind that. I need to know, but I yeah, but I am pretty sure he saw it early and it was given given it by Dave as a gift or something. Stop. Did he, I wonder if he has it on, you know, a DVD or something. It was like all gift wrap with like a long like personal note. <laughs> I mean, remember in the Mandalorian uh, press conference that they did in Hollywood? couple months ago when Dave got so emotional when he talked about working with George and how things are so different now mm-hmm. and it I mean that was like whoo yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I I feel like there's there's really something to be said about that moment to finishing the Clone Wars now and what I don't know is like I really do think the question is will George watch this and I think the answer is yes um and how that came to be. I feel like that will be a story that we'll hear someday. Hopefully it's a good one. Well, I think, you know, I think George was involved in this particular story from the beginning. So Mm -hmm. I think that it definitely has his fingerprints all over it. So it was good. It was good. It was good. (laughs) The, The title of this episode, though, is not just Siege of Mandalore Part 1. It is actually called Old Friends Not Forgotten, and it was directed by Saul Ruiz, and it was written just by Dave Filoni this time, which I think is what we'll see for the next three episodes, probably. I wonder if they'll keep the same director throughout, like, this whole last little bit. I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I... I think that if I can remember correctly, I could be totally wrong about this, but the last couple of episodes, the last two episodes of Rebels were directed by Dave and written by Dave. And I wonder if that we'll see the same thing with this. Mm. Yeah, Um, maybe. I could, I totally get like in the beginning, letting, letting, letting is the wrong word, but having Saul Ruiz direct the first um, episode of it. Um, but keeping it consistently written by Dave makes sense to me. But I'll, I'll wonder what the last two are going to look like, you know. And I feel like that's going to be a really big weekend, long weekend, really, of we're getting that ep- last Here's- episode on Friday. And then uh, we're getting the, the second to last episode on the Friday. And then on Monday, May the 4th, which is, you know, Star Wars Day, we're getting the finale and also the Mandalorian documentary. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be a lot. And I'm so here for it. I'm so ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to go back and watch the 2016 panel where they talked about this 
a whole arc and kind of see what things are different, if anything, because we're kind of back in not exactly the same situation, but similar to with Bad Batch when we had a lot of this story already mapped out. We obviously saw a lot more Bad Batch than we did the Siege of Mandalore, um, but yeah. <laughs> I think I also need to revisit E.K. Johnston's Ahsoka book because in the beginning, there's a little bit of a recap of the Siege of Mandalore and like a little bit of a reflection of that. And I, I've i been hesitant to look at it because I kind of want to go into things without the knowledge of other things, if that makes sense, even though that's not what I've been doing at all by reading the mall comic and rewatching your the set. So I don't know. I've, I feel like I've just been avoiding that. I guess I've been avoiding things that come later rather than things that came before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Revenge of the Sith doesn't come later because we've overlapped. We're here. <laughs> we're, we're here. It's the present. We were, I think you guys, people who listen to our show know that we're all about the the angsty conversations and like we would be perfectly happy to have an entire uh, episode of just everyone like journaling out their feelings and then talking about it and arguing about it and then ending with like a hug at the end. We'd be very (laughs) pleased with an episode like that. And um, I know that I've been talking so much, Charlotte has too, about like these these last Anakin and Ahsoka conversations. And when they – I was like so ready for it. And then it was happening and I yelled. I was like, I take it back. This is too soon. I do not want to see this. And I was like, this is this is already too emotional. And that whole little bit when he walked away and she said, good luck, and he just smiled and he didn't say anything else. I was like, this <laughs> I was like, this cannot be it. <laughs> I, I'm not okay. <laughs> I was like, it's too soon. It came too fast. I'm not ready. I am kind of well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. So why don't we jump into it, Caitlin? So in part one, we're going to be talking a little bit about the beginning, and also we're going to talk a little bit about the last Annie Soka conversation um, and and some more. (laughs) And then in part two, we're going to be discussing story. And in part three, we're going to be talking about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So that, of course, was my main focus, is making a Star Wars that George Lucas was proud of, obviously proud enough to want to put it up on the big screen, and we're all thrilled about that. But, uh, you know, hey, fans are passionate, and whether they say for good or for ill about anything, any aspect of it, it's because they love it. You know, they, they, they want it to be good. They want it to, it to, they feel an ownership over Star Wars at this point, and I respect that. I mean, in both directions, you know, I, I respect the good things I've heard, and I respect when fans says, ah, why is it animated? Yeah, okay, I get it, but, you know, give it a chance and check it out, and I think they'll be surprised, because I'm a fan and I like it. Okay, welcome to part one, where usually we've discussed the fortune cookie, but there was no fortune cookie, so... Couldn't do that. <laughs> I remember <laughs> no fortune cookie, but the fortune cookie is even better because we get the Lucasfilm Limited logo. Is that our fortune what? cookie? <laughs> I think that's our fortune cookie. What it, what like, knowledge and wisdom can we glean from the Lucasfilm logo? The fact that this is going to be a movie. You know, mm-hmm. when that happened, Caitlin, did you lose it? I lost it. I did. I was like, I I may have cursed. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, wow, we're going. (laughs) 
we're doing this. We're doing this. It's it's beginning. Again, me throughout this whole episode, I was like, actually, I know I've really been looking forward to this, but I don't know (laughs) if I want to see this because that means it's over. And I just, I would like to take back everything I've said before. Let's just... Let's it's funny just not. Like, in a serious note, I felt kind of the opposite because I feel like this episode to me was so good and made the most, I don't know, organic connections that it could have that it really did feel like, wow, this is really how it was supposed to end. And mm-hmm. I'm finally seeing it. And yeah. I felt like, and I know you did too, and you're just kind of joking that, like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're finally here. But I, I just feel like, I was watching it like we're finally seeing this and it feels so right. It feels so good. Oh, my God. Star Wars is so good. And mm-hmm. that was the best feeling. And I don't think I've had that feeling in a really long time. I don't think I had that feeling really with The Mandalorian even. I felt like with The Mandalorian, we were still discovering what the show was. I was we were all like, what even is this? You know, um, it felt it was really great. I loved it. I love The Mandalorian, especially as like a finished product of this of the full season. But with that you can put on this, the shelf. it was. I don't know if I'm not ready to put it on the shelf just yet. Caitlin. Just season one, just season one on a yeah. shelf. I just feel like this to me felt like st- the right Star Wars for me. I was, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it felt like magic and that we were witnessing it. It was, yeah, really, really great. Yeah, well, I think there's, there is just, I mean, we talked about this when The Bad Batch, when the season first premiered, it did just feel like a homecoming. And, you know, I think we're getting, like, this is very tied to our relationship with Star Wars, this show. And so, and then, like, Bad Batch happened and the Ahsoka walkabout happened, but, like, now having this episode where Ahsoka's got her lightsabers back and she's talking to Anakin and Obi-Wan and we know that all of this is is coming around. It just – it feels different. In a way, it kind of felt like <laughs> – it kind of felt like senior year and, like, graduating, you know? Like, you're so mm-hmm. excited and you're doing all these great things and everything like that, but then you get kind of sad knowing that it's over <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. maybe maybe I could stay here for just – like a couple more months, you know, like there's kind of that sadness as you walk around your high school for the last time, like, oh, I guess this like this chapter of my life is over now. And like this part, this chapter of Star Wars is going to be over. And, you know, it's a really great chapter, <laughs> but I'm I'm a little I yeah, it was it was so emotional. It was so emotional, guys. I don't know how I'm going to handle the next three weeks. I really don't. <laughs> Fridays are going to be lit uh with tears me dialing up a telehealth therapist (laughs) (laughs) through quarantine i just need i just need dave filoni to drop his cell phone number (laughs) so i can call him so we can zoom while i watch this (laughs) and i can just be like okay sir why (laughs) It'll. I love. <laughs> Imagine a Zoom conference with Dave Filoni. <laughs> he like really sinks fun. in as he as he uh, covers his entire face with his hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like as he as you watch it and freak out. Ha- have made me stop. <laughs> How do you feel about that? 
Okay, so anyway, it starts with the Clone Wars in a red logo, which really brought me back to the days of the mall reveal, which really, you know, really shook up the entire Star Wars community way back when in 2010, I guess, 2000, maybe it was 2009 or uh, 10. I don't know. I think it's 10. Yeah, that sounds right. But regardless it's great to see it because it, it changes things up. It's, it makes it more intense. I was like, oh my God, we're here. <laughs> and then we hear the actual main title. Can you believe that we heard that too? No. No. <laughs> the thing I love about the Clone Wars kind of switching up the logo is I think it speaks to, I don't know, like these things in Star Wars are so like ingrained in our subconscious and our and our like fan society of you know like this is how the logo looks this like it's in yellow and it can only be in yellow and it's like no it it doesn't actually have to only be in yellow it can be just as impactful and still be star wars by looking a different way and and even tweaking these little things like the logo even to just a different color have such a big impact yeah i think that's true also when people get really you know tied up about stuff like that there's been font choices throughout all of star wars that have changed the crawl font i can't remember which episode it is but it has changed a couple times and that is controversial Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i feel like um whatever that's just the rigidity of it all but i do feel like there is just a certain amount of uh specialness that you know that that this is something that Dave and his team have thought so much about about how to present and package this this story and this is something he's talked about before and we've talked about it on the show quite a bit about how you know when Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order they not running the the traditional Clone Wars end credit theme really was a switch up it was one of the first times if not the first time that they did that and Dave just felt like it was really not appropriate to do that. This is a moment where you're supposed to weep, you're supposed to be solemn. And I it's it's crazy because we're at this point now where Dave was able to do that with Rebels as well with the changing of the logo to white and I I mean who who can forget that, right? And Could never. the uh, right and then the 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 end credit theme really was kind of switching a lot in Rebels when things were heavy. And I I think that he was able to get more freedom with that. And to see that freedom expressed here with the end credits even just being the lightsaber whirring and then absolutely nothing, that was chill-inducing too. It just made me want to go on to the next one. And I can't wait to be able to watch this all together. It'll be great. Yeah. It's going to be really good. Yeah. It just – it feels it feels so epic. And that's what they've been telling us for – Four years <laughs> at this point, and they were really right about it. They were so it, right. We should have listened. <laughs> they were so, we never listened. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there. There's just I, I love the Clone Wars so much, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I am so glad to be seeing this this set of episodes. And you, yeah, you bring up a good point that this is this switch up and like the logo and the outro and intro music that's been something that Dave has used as just another kind of visual and audio 
uh, sign to the audience that this is meant to stand out. It's meant to kind of be separate from the pack of other episodes and stuff like that. So it's very effective and uh, hold on to your seats. So (laughs) the other part of this uh, part one or quote unquote mystery part is that we're going to be talking about the last Anakin and Ahsoka conversation just a little bit, but we're not really going to be talking about the one that they had in the show. We're going to, we're going to talk about that later. Don't worry, but we're going to talk about if there's going to be another one. And this is this this conversation really kind of brought up because Charlotte and I watched Revenge of the Sith the other night, which for those of you keeping score at home, that's the second Star Wars movie I've watched since The Rise of Skywalker came out. And uh, Revenge of the Sith is so good, guys. (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but it's a really excellent movie. But when we were watching it, it was so crazy thinking about it in terms of this episode and it's going to be even crazier once we have the entire Siege of Mandalore complete, watching Revenge of the Sith. And while we were watching it, Charlotte and I were texting about, okay, what if – because – sorry, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But Charlotte and I think that there is a possibility that Anakin and Ahsoka will have another conversation before the Siege of Mandalore arc is complete, that it'll likely be through hologram maybe or communicator. Uh, because in Rebels, Ahsoka does say the last time that she saw Anakin was when he was going off to save the Chancellor, which is what we saw in this episode. And I don't know if it's a combination of the fact that we can't handle that this was the last conversation that they had, (laughs) and we're just hoping that there's another one. But it actually was a really interesting discussion in our text stream about you know, if we're at this juncture in Revenge of the Sith and this is when Anakin talks to Ahsoka via hologram or communicator, what does that mean for where Anakin is right now in Revenge of the Sith? And I don't feel like I'm explaining this well, but it was really interesting to think about just how overlapped these timelines could be. And if there was an opportunity to like seed Ahsoka more into the direct Revenge of the Sith story with Anakin. Yeah, so why don't you – you were the one that kind of dropped this bomb. So why don't you tell where yeah. you think it would be the angstiest? <laughs> so I had this idea. <laughs> Halfway through, we were watching Revenge of the Sith. And uh, we had – before, we had kind of talked about if they – like if Ahsoka would talk to Anakin – before he gets back to find out that Padme is pregnant or maybe right after that moment when he finds out. And then we kind of just talked about if it was like, would he? what would he say to her if he's already started having visions of Padme, if he hasn't yet? But then I got this idea. And it was after he falls to the dark side and Mace is gone and, you know, he's taken up the title of Darth Vader and he goes to Padme's apartment, right? And she's she doesn't know what's happened. She's like, what's going on? I've heard, you know, there are, like, attacks on the temple. And he's, like, just trying to tell her that everything's okay and that he's going to go to Mustafar. And she doesn't know what's going on. And so my angsty idea was what if Anakin talks to Ahsoka after he's already turned to the dark side, but Ahsoka doesn't realize that yet or realizes that something is off but doesn't know what. Yeah, and then doesn't get to resolve that at all. Ever. Because, because, mm. yeah. And, there, you know, there's this, 
maybe like 15 to 10 minute period after Anakin has turned in Revenge of the Sith where, you know, after he killed the younglings, um, where, you know, Anakin is, you really are, I don't know, after he turns, I swear, and maybe this is just my bias of you know, Anakin being one of my favorite characters and everything, but, you know, his immediate regret and I, I think that there's definitely some conversation throughout fandom about, like, when does Anakin really become Darth Vader? You know, mm-hmm. this is a conversation we've been having for, like, three and a half years. <laughs> and I yeah. think that it's just, um, it's it's worth thinking about of how long is he hiding or when when is he, because I feel like when finally it all comes out is really when he has the confrontation with Padme on Mustafar. Mm-hmm. And that's really when you get to see really, yes, you see him kill younglings. I'm not saying that that's not far enough, but I think that you see that he's far gone to the dark side at the point with Padme. But even that conversation where she's in the blue dress or on the, on the deck of her apartment, things are like, I think Padme can tell things are off, but Anakin is hiding these things you know um how dark things have gotten and you wonder how much can be hidden if a conversation were to ever happen with ahsoka through hologram or whatever she she learns from anakin at that time it's really really fascinating yeah it is because i think we are watching it and we while we are watching the episode or the movie we were threading in all of these conversations that had happened in this episode of clone wars and like you could read the un- like you could put the undertones of part one of the siege of mandalore into revenge of the sith and it flows really seamlessly especially we'll talk about this conversation but the conversation between uh, ahsoka and obi-wan where they're talking about like distrusting the jedi and stuff like that and anakin in in the episode is trying to be like the bridge between them but that's a big part of his fall part of his fall in revenge of the sith is this distrust of the jedi and you can almost like picture him thinking in revenge of the sith this is what ahsoka was saying this is what she was saying and if he were to talk to her after he had fell to the dark side would it be because like when he talks to padme on musafar he's wanting her to join him and so maybe he would be wanting the same for ahsoka because he still cares about Padme in that moment, and I think he would still care about Ahsoka, but obviously everything is is horribly clouded. And so I just think that, like, I don't know. I think it would be a really interesting conversation. What what would they say to each other? What would Anakin say that would tip Ahsoka off or maybe not tip her off? And she wouldn't know until the events of Rebels. And it kind of makes you wonder if there is, like, there certainly is opportunity, but what will these next three episodes – like, sorry, <laughs> my head, my mind is just going like a mile a minute. But I think we're really anticipating these episodes to impact and flow really well with Revenge of the Sith, which even from this first one, it 100% does. 10 for 10 recommend watching Revenge of the Sith even right now. But I think we should also need to be thinking about what – it could change for our view of Ahsoka when we see her later in Rebels and her whole conversation, confrontation with Vader then. And I think, you know, the fact that we're already overlapped with Revenge of the Sith pretty much, I think it means that 
there's definitely room for it to hurt a whole lot more. Yeah, I mean, I keep thinking about Sam Witwer's tweet, which I can't find now, but I swear it existed. He said, he said, some things you didn't know happened, happened. And I am just like, oh my God, (laughs) what is going to happen? I think that I echo everything Caitlin said. Highly recommend watching Revenge of the Sith right now because there are so many things. It's amazing what one episode, one 27 minute episode of The Clone Wars can do to improve a movie I have seen 500 times and is already my favorite. Mm-hmm. I was like <laughs> buzzing over some some things like which we'll get into um uh, that are just character traits from Anakin I think that are I was you can read so many different things into even Hayden Christensen's own performance that I was I was really surprised by. And I don't yeah. think I say that lightly and I think that's again we've talked about this we talked about this two episodes ago but like when these things happen in in Star Wars, this is why we watch them, so that we can understand and get a deeper understanding and viewing of the movies that we've seen so many times, because we all visit revisit these movies hundreds of times. They mm-hmm. live in our subconscious. Um, it's um, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith is a movie that I have seen when it came out on DVD <laughs> on November 1st. 2005 i think i (laughs) watched it every single day for a whole year and i'm not kidding so it's 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 (laughs) it's crazy when i think about and that was i was like 11 and i think it's so crazy to think about um how impact like the the fact that a 27 minute um animated show can impact the, a movie that I've seen so much and know by heart, like literally by heart. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's just, it, it really is incredible. And I think the, the beginning in particular of Revenge of the Sith was just, it was, I just kept saying the lines from Siege of Mandalore. It would be like, they would like when Obi-Wan and, and Anakin are having their conversation about, Anakin spying on the Chancellor. It's like you just fill in the blanks of the conversation they just had with Ahsoka. And it works so well. And it's like these things that they're not saying to each other because Obi-Wan knows what Ahsoka means to Anakin. And that he and like this conversation that they all had in this episode of Clone Wars was really pointed at Obi-Wan specifically. And Obi-Wan knows it. And he knows how Anakin feels about all of that. And so all of this just kind of compounding on itself, it, it like, lets you make the Clone Wars so much, like, reading between the lines in Revenge of the Sith, which is such a hard thing to do <laughs> because that was what everyone was talking about when Ahsoka was first introduced. You know, she's not a Revenge of the Sith. Is she going to die? Is she going to leave? What's, what's it going to be? Why does no one talk about her? And the way that they've set up even just this first episode makes it in a way very clear why they're not talking about her in Revenge of the Sith. And it's believable and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel off. I don't really know how to describe it, but it feels really seamless. And like you're reading in between the lines that all of this stuff just happened with Ahsoka and Obi-Wan's not going to bring it up because he was wrong and he kind of knows it, but he's, he's Obi-Wan and he has to serve for the council, not himself. And he can't let his feelings get in the way. And he says that in this episode of the Clone Wars and it just, it all makes sense. 
It all makes so much sense. It's perfect. People are really thinking about every single aspect, and it's felt. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, Yeah. So my, like, galaxy brain idea was that Anakin contacts Ahsoka after he's turned to the dark side. And I just, like, oh. I'm so on it. <laughs> but the other the other really angsty thing that I thought about too was if it's after he has like rescued the Chancellor and he finds out that uh, Ahsoka is going up against Maul, has been kidnapped or whatever. We don't really know how the next couple episodes are going to proceed. And he's like – he calms her and is like, wait right there. I'm coming. I'm gonna help you. Like I would, like he's like like he says in the Ahsoka leaves arc. Like I'd never let anything hurt you, Ahsoka. Never. Like just stay there. I'm coming. And then he never comes because he turned to the dark side. Why, Caitlin? (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) We were in our group chat with our friend Savannah, and I was like texting basically this fanfic. Of this moment into the group chat. And Savannah just kept texting back, no, stop. No. Really, stop. The angst. It's coming in every single episode and you know it. Like, you know it. This was just a a small taste. It really was. What's so funny is I love that angst so much, but I literally was, like, vibrating from how much I almost couldn't handle it in this episode. Sitting on the couch, like, I asked for this, but I don't think I want it anymore. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the story. So, if you're a captain and I'm a Jedi, then technically I outrank you, right? In my book, experience outranks everything. Well, if experience outranks everything, I guess I better start getting some. Okay, so welcome to part two where we discuss the story. So I think this is a great time to ask this question. What is the state of the Republic right now and where are we in the timeline? We are pretty much right on the cusp of Revenge of the Sith, if not by the end of it. Anakin and Obi-Wan are already trying to rescue the Chancellor. But it starts off... I think you guys know that Charlotte and I have never really kept track with the war, or at least I haven't as well when I was first watching Clone Wars growing up, but paying a lot more attention to what Admiral Yularen is saying now. (laughs) (laughs) Really listening to the voice of war. Really listening hard to the voice of war these days. (laughs) I like turn on subtitles, I pause, (laughs) all in his little 10 second recap of what's going on. (laughs) So... There's that. That's what it means to be an adult, ladies and gentlemen, is you listen to the voice of war more. So um, he does tell us that the Outer Rim is under siege and the Jedi Council is sending all of the Jedi Masters to the Outer Rim to help where they can. And of course, this is why they're all not at the Jedi Temple when Order 66 happens. Very sad. Mm, not okay with it. And so that's kind of, I think it's interesting that they started, not interesting, but it is just, again, denoting where we are very specifically in the timeline that, like, we all know Revenge of the Sith is is right there, but, like, it's really right there. And so we see all of them uh, head out to the Outer Rim planets to do what they can, which is, of course, where they will all unfortunately 
die. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> <laughs> we start on the planet of Yurbana, which is where Anakin and Obi-Wan have their uh, moment where they take over the tactical droid. Um, there is a nice parallel between uh, Luke with the music in Return of the Jedi and also The Last Jedi and kind of the the stalling aspect and like having all blasters pointed at him and it's you're it's that situation where you're asking I know he's gonna get out of this but how and it's such a it's such a fun moment Anakin was amazing <laughs> I think I was, just to, just to pause here for a second I think that I didn't expect to get a moment like this in the episode and I'm so glad we did because throughout this entire episode I felt like Anakin was such a great character and it was the entire episode really displayed everything I loved about Clone Wars Anakin so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this particular moment really highlighted that for me. And this is a, a really good example of the action sequences really tugging at my heartstrings and making me feel so good. Like, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I liked the the moment, that, like, what they're doing here on Yabana is they're looking for the tactical droid to destroy. And that moment when Anakin just force pulls the tactical droid forward when he finally gets him to come out and just slices his head off. It was a good moment. <laughs> vicious. It was vicious. <laughs> so it was a little hot. I can't lie. <laughs> yeah. <really> well, <laughs> truly, just- though. <laughs> It was. It was. I love – he knows how to work a lightsaber. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that is where we started. We started on Yervana with Anakin and Obi-Wan, and we end uh, in the – not lower levels, but I guess the, the pipes of Mandalore with Ahsoka – confronting Maul and her lightsabers are out. Maul is looking down at her from this – chasm this pipe this and he said what is he i think the exact line is like i wanted obi-wan or something or kenobi or something like that it was it was so good so chilling and uh yeah we're starting yeah i think that just to start at the end i guess that line of why are you here you know i i wanted it to be kenobi and everything and but it's not it's ahsoka and again uh, the Clone Wars is very clearly Ahsoka's story. Ahsoka is the eyes of the audience in in the Clone Wars and everything. And to me, it really brought me back to that line that Luke asked Rey in the in the Jedi Tree of, you know, why are you here? The emphasis mm-hmm. on the you. Throughout the entire episode, though, I felt like there was a, a whole touch of destiny throughout the entire thing. And I, I felt like, you know, everything to the point where I felt like everything was happening for a reason and that those reasons were devastating but it felt like it felt so purposeful it felt so uh fate like um and i really felt like that in this moment of the reasoning why ahsoka was there and not not obi-wan to face off with maul and capture maul is part of destiny and if we really are crossing over into revenge of the set there is this this sense of destiny that even happens throughout the the entire movie of that right of everything happening in like this domino effect where it's kind of it's unstoppable 
um, you watch the movie and Caitlin and I had this feeling when we were watching it last night about how fast things were going, you know, mm-hmm. the pacing of it all. It was like, oh, my God, we're already here. This can't be happening already. Like, he's already turning to the dark side. Oh, my God. And I, I felt like that in this in this episode as well. And I think that's just because things were ha- <laughs> things were happening so fast. And um, but it, it felt right. And I feel I feel like that in especially the end here, this moment of, you know, why is Ahsoka there instead of instead of Kenobi? And I think Anakin even refers to this later, which I I think is so it was a really interesting moment. And I wondered what you thought about it when Anakin is they're waiting for Ahsoka and Bo-Katan to land. And Anakin is all happy throughout the entire episode. Anakin is just so happy. (laughs) And I think he he I think he's looking to destiny to kind of soften the blow of Ahsoka leaving. He says it all makes sense now. If Ahsoka hadn't left the, the order, she wouldn't have been where she needed to be. And it was like, yeah, that's true, Anakin, but uh, things are devastating. And I wondered if you had the same thought. Like, do we agree with Anakin or is she, is he really kind of just using that excuse as a crutch? I think he's totally looking at it as a crutch because the follow up, mm-hmm. what Obi-Wan says after that is he says that's that's one way to look at it. And Anakin like puts himself in front of Obi-Wan and goes, that's the only way to look at it. And it just like you're right. There is the, there is such this destiny vibe <laughs> about this <laughs> whole episode. But it, it's it's dark destiny, I think, because the dark side has clouded everything and it's it's in control right now. And I feel like we'll be we'll be referencing this discussion a lot and talking about it a lot throughout the rest of the Siege of Mandalore, but just what we as an audience bring into this episode, into this set of episodes is very similar, I would imagine, to how audiences walked into Revenge of the Sith. And just knowing that like we know where this ends up. It's just a matter of seeing how. And that uh, we just we come into bringing our own destiny for these characters because we know their timelines and we know how these things kind of shake out. Uh, But yeah, I thought that that line from Anakin was so telling about kind of his headspace in all of this because he you're right. He is so happy and it's 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 kind of like, whoa, (laughs) dude you're in the middle of a war like you're about to find out your wife is pregnant and then you know follow the dark side um but (laughs) he i think he thinks that like after this is done not i don't think he thinks this i think he more or less verbalizes it in this episode that once all of this is done once maul is captured grievous is gone then the war will be over but at the same time i think we also need to remember that anakin really thrives in this kind of environment this is so much of what he's known for the past however many years he is the hero with no fear he he does so well in these situations and he likes being praised for it (laughs) like there's not really any other way to to say it he really does excel in this wartime situation it's the only life he's ever known but i think that he really is attracted to the idea that if he can say like all of this happened for a reason then it's okay and it 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 allows him to not have to look at the actual problems that ahsoka has presented about the Jedi Order. And I think we kind of see that in their conversation later with Obi-Wan when her and Obi-Wan are arguing and Anakin 
doesn't take a side. He doesn't agree with anyone. He's still in the order. Like, he's still for it. But he loves Ahsoka. And he wants her to be happy. And he keeps asking her all these questions throughout this episode. Like, how are you? Are you okay? What were you doing on Obadiah? And she's like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. And she's like, that's not your role in my life anymore. But at the same time, she's still calling him master. And it's so complicated and it's so layered. And I've definitely strayed off of our original question, which was the topic of destiny. Uh, But I think that there is such this dark destiny over these episodes right now. It is setting everything into place for what's going to be coming down the line, not just in Revenge of the Sith, but in Rebels and beyond Rebels as well for wherever we may see characters like Ahsoka next um, and even what we'll see hopefully from Obi-Wan in the Obi-Wan series too. I just, I think there's so much room and Anakin's line here, like when when he says back to Obi-Wan, that's the only way to look at it. That's the like for Anakin, there isn't another option because the the other option means that Obi-Wan was wrong and cost him Ahsoka. And that the whole Jedi Order is wrong. And just like Ahsoka, he would have to figure out what life looks like without the Jedi Order. And even though he says he's willing to do that, I don't think he actually is. Yeah. It's it, the line just really struck me because there is it felt meta to me, really. This this idea of when we're watching this, we understand that this is the destiny of the Jedi, and this is Anakin Skywalker's destiny as a cl- chosen one to fall and then bring balance to the Force again, right? I think we all understand that, and that this is Ahsoka's role in his life, and that maybe she is exactly where she needs to be, because if she was anywhere else, maybe she would have died. You never know, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I, I don't know. I think this line is one that I will return to because I dark destiny is a really good way to put it. I, I think it's just, I don't know. It's very, very layered, as you said. Yeah, it is. And I think you're right. It is destiny. Like Anakin is also kind of right. If she hadn't left the order, she would have died in order 66. We don't know that. But yeah. It's fair to think she we, might we, have. Exactly. And if she was still really close with Anakin, who knows what would have happened if he still turned to the dark side? You have all these what if questions, right? And if if she hadn't left, I mean, I think we can all agree that that was the smartest choice for her, right? At that moment. We're, I'm so glad that she left the order. She needed to do that. She was wronged. And I think that it it is destiny that she becomes no Jedi as she becomes in in Rebels. And it's mm-hmm. interesting to have Anakin acknowledge that. Yeah. But then at the same time, the flip side of that too is, you know, thinking about our favorite book ever, The Revenge of the Sith novelization. And, <laughs> and you know, like if Ahsoka had stayed, she might have died in Order 66. But what if she had been able to reach Anakin in a way that no one else could have at that time? Because the Revenge of the Sith novelization talks a great deal about laying the trap for the Jedi, for Obi-Wan, so that Obi-Wan was away from Anakin when Palpatine like laid his trap, basically, and got Anakin to fall to the dark side. It was imperative for Palpatine that Obi-Wan wasn't there. And so was all, all of this was orchestrated as well by the dark side to get Ahsoka out of the order so that we're further isolating Anakin from the people that he cares about, making them unreachable to him. 
Padme is unreachable for a good bit because of the war. Ahsoka is unreachable because the Jedi betrayed her and she left. And Obi-Wan becomes unreachable in the most important moment because he's sent away from Anakin. And, like, of course, there's the what if that she could have died. But there's also the what if of what could she have said to Anakin that that may have turned the tide. But, again, that was never going to happen because that's not the story that they're telling. Exactly. That's that's the question of when Ahsoka and Vader meet later in Rebels of it, that moment is so deep. And when you do see the, that sliced mask, it just it reminds me of when Dave was like, well, this is it, it's not like Ahsoka's ever going to change Vader. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That it's that's reserved for Luke. It's if it, it, it has to be Luke. And it's just that's not Ahsoka's destiny. To change mm-hmm. Vader. And I think that that has to be remembered as well. She's an individual. It's different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so on kind of a lighter note, <laughs> nothing heavier <laughs> than talking about the fall of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> but there was some interesting little tidbits throughout this episode, too. Of course, one of the coolest ones was the use of fulcrum in this episode. Uh, Admiral Yularen contacts Anakin and Obi-Wan after they've defeated the tactical droid at the beginning of the episode, and he says that someone has contacted Anakin on Anakin's subspace frequency, Fulcrum, and Anakin assumes it's Saw Gerrera. There's a mention of Onderon, amazing arc if you haven't watched it, and of course it's not Saw Gerrera, it is Ahsoka using the frequency. So the, the wording of this line kind of confused me. Was Ahsoka calling as Fulcrum or was Anakin's frequency called Fulcrum? Does that make sense? I think that's a really, really good question because it that question begs the question, if it is Anakin's own line that is Fulcrum and then that line is used throughout um, the Empire time with Ahsoka and then Cassian Andor also is a Fulcrum agent and becoming Fulcrum agents, then what? <laughs> when has has Vader or the Empire ever heard the word Fulcrum? And if so, doesn't that bring to mind a couple of question marks in Vader's own mind, right? Yeah, because if, if, if the line, if the phone line is called Fulcrum, and Anakin made it, right, after – although I guess – I was going to say after the Onderon arc, but I guess it doesn't mean that just the Onderon people use it. Uh, I don't know. I, I was like, Anakin has this whole, like, secret <laughs> Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. He he would have a whole secret subspace of comfort. Like, he would have a whole line that would be secret. Like, that makes perfect sense to me. He has a I'm secret like, wife. Is he, is he smart enough to set that up? Like <laughs> – Yes, he is smart enough to set that up. I'm going to defend I'm Anakin kidding. here because Anakin is a builder. He built droids. He, he, is. he I think he understands technology. And yeah, I'm just defending Anakin for no reason. But yeah, I, know. I was just, I was just making a joke. I wasn't super serious about it. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> but if it so if Anakin if if the phone if Anakin's phone line is called Fulcrum, okay, and then Order sixty six happens, Ahsoka is on her own. It kind of makes sense that she would still want to use this 
phone line, as it were, because it's, it was Anakin's, it's secure, like all of that kind of makes sense. And she doesn't know that Anakin is Vader. But doesn't, I could be very wrong about this, but doesn't Admiral Yolaren go, doesn't he serve the Empire? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so he knows about the frequency too. So he would be able to keep tabs on it as well if Anakin, like if Vader wasn't. It just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I want it to be Anakin's phone line, but you're right. It kind of brings up all these other question marks further into the timeline of, okay, does he just never look at that phone line again? <laughs> it's funny. I don't think we should spend too much time on this, but I think I don't that either. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting point. I, I loved that there was a Fulcrum mention because I do think it ties everything all together perfectly. Um, this idea that, of course, we would know that Fulcrum means Ahsoka and not Saw Gerrera, but I really liked the Saw Gerrera connection. All these things really just make this these four episodes at the end of uh, being developed right now link so well to recent material. It just, it works Mm -hmm. so well to me. Yeah, definitely does. We also got a great mention, uh, another mention about the treaties between the Republic and Mandalore. I thought this was just a fun little, not even an Easter egg, but just a little tidbit in this episode about Obi-Wan telling Bo-Katan that if the Republic helps them and goes on to Mandalore, it'll break treaties that are over 100 years old. And we see, what is his name, Almac? the leader Mm -hmm. of Mandalore right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, He brings this up too when he is talking to Bo-Katan as she's coming down with the sea for the siege and about how horribly wrong it is that she is bringing the Republic to Mandalore and the people would never forgive her. And I love Bo-Katan's line after that. I don't remember what it was exactly, but she basically says that she doesn't care if the people hate her. She would rather uh, free Mandalore than have the people's respect for bringing the Republic. I love Ahsoka also being like, you are definitely not your sister. And yeah. it it was it was great because it wasn't undersided at all. It was your sister was totally different than you and you guys are like two different beings entirely and that's a good thing because that's mm-hmm. what Mandalore needs right now. We need a Bo-Katan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's so cool. I forgot how cool she Ugh, was. The rightful ruler. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> she was so cool. <laughs> She was just so vicious, but great. She just, mm. I know. And, you know, the best thing about this, too, is it's not the best thing, but I can't wait to see how this is referenced later in The Mandalorian when you know it will be referenced. You know this is going to come up somewhere. Even these treaties, this this Republic um, and Mandalorian um, agreement or disagreement. And I think that it's it's really interesting and will only get more interesting as we dive deeper into the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian culture um, once we have this complete set, because this is something that we've heard about for so long, like so long. <laughs> and now yeah. we're here. And yeah. to have it finally set down in canon will be a great addition later in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the New Republic and what they're trying to do, if they'll try to have a place on Mandalore and that's not happening. Well, I don't even know. Like, what is Mandalore going to look like at the end of this? <sighs> good question. All right. Well, can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good question. I mean, it'll be hard to talk about, but like, I, I don't know because of the way that Revenge of the Sith is. It's like, 
Oh, oh my God. I just had a thought. Ooh. The Ooh. say that Bo-Katan, <laughs> yeah, mid podcast thought. Say that Bo-Katan and everyone wins, and they force out Maul and the Mandalorians and everything. And Mandalor Mandalore is restored, but then the Empire comes. Then the Empire comes, and the Empire is risen <laughs> and takes everything from this victory, because now they've made a treaty with the Republic. That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Love this for us. Because <laughs> we know Maul Because they're doesn't... breaking treaties. <laughs> it's just like the Chancellor being granted emergency powers. It just gains more power. And that power will only be used because all who gain power are afraid to lose it. Yeah, Palpatine's just going to swoop in and set up a second summer home on Mandalore. And Bo-Katan's going to be a, like a WTF. He's like, you broke the treaties. <laughs> <laughs> i can be here yeah. this is mine <laughs> okay moving on i think this episode really does show it highlights so well the blindness of the jedi um from bo-katan really pointing out that that obi-wan says that you know we have to go talk to the council and all this whole rigmarole that no one wants to deal with um bokatan says this is a whole all a waste of time and you can't help but uh agree with her as time is ticking she says it countless times and ahsoka even has such a sense of urgency and instead it's just red tape after red tape um and i think we're going to talk about this a little bit maybe after this, but um, Ahsoka's speech to Obi-Wan really points out certain things and this unwillingness to help. Um, I also think that this episode really highlighted how really how blind the Jedi have become and how the Jedi honestly even fighting this war like we we're finally here where fighting this war really does truly go against who they are and it's what ahsoka kind of calls out this this idea that um they're not even responding to essentially humanitarian aid they mandalore needs help and the jedi are unwilling to figure out a way to do that instead of oh well definitely help we have the resources to help here's how we can do it they have to go the only way that they do it is Anakin kind of making a roundabout plan, splitting up his own army and promoting Rex and, uh, you know, making Ahsoka an advisor, like basically using his own power to help. But Obi-Wan, who in this, in this juncture is a representative from the Jedi Council, won't even really budge at all on it. He, he says yes to it, finally, but it's an uphill battle. And I think that it really comes down to are you going to help or are you going to go fight a, a war that, of course, it comes down to the chancellor? And mm -hmm. I think this war is really all about the rigidity of politics. It clouds everyone's judgment. But instead, Ahsoka, here's Ahsoka, that arc that we just, you know, we just had a great arc with Ahsoka and the Martez sisters that pointed out clearly to Ahsoka that the Jedi have lost their way, that they don't even care about helping people that whole arc was about ahsoka responding to help and here we have the jedi basically unwilling to respond to help instead they're just caught into the machinations of the war and i when we were watching revenge of the sith last night i i'm like we don't talk about this line enough and i think this this is could be one of padme's best lines she says this war represents a failure to listen and here this is ahsoka pleading Ahsoka and Bo-Katan pleading to the Jedi for help 
This is we need to help. Mall is our common enemy. But not only that, we need to help a whole you know, a planet, a system, a, a decades long culture. And you you guys are unwilling to help seriously. And yes, this war really does represent a failure to listen. Yeah, it 100% does. It definitely reminds me of that episode Heroes on Both Sides. <laughs> and, and we are. <laughs> and, and we're back <laughs> to our favorite episode. <laughs> Of the Clone Wars. But that, like, the, I think they, I wouldn't be surprised if this line from Padme and Revenge of the Sith is a big inspiration for that episode, Heroes on Both Sides, because Ahsoka is locked into the Jedi and to the Republic, and she doesn't want to listen to what the Separatists say. And when she finally does in that episode, it's clear that that she had a lot of prejudice against people she didn't even know and wasn't even going to talk to. Uh, or wasn't ever planning on talking to. She was just planning on using her lightsabers, aggressive negotiations, when that wasn't actually what was needed. But yeah, this whole like this whole setup with Obi-Wan and Ahsoka is so good. I think it's worth reading the conversation that they have to kind of build off of what you were saying, Charlotte. Um, so it starts off and Ahsoka says, after after Obi-Wan has come in and he said that the Chancellor is in danger or Shakti has gone to protect the Chancellor, but Mace hasn't heard from her. And he says, okay, we're going. And what what is important about this scene, I think, or one of the many important things about this scene, is that you see Anakin be visibly worried about Palpatine. When he hears that it's Palpatine who is in danger, they do this close-up on his face, and you can tell that he's worried. And Obi-Wan sees it too, and Obi-Wan says back to him, don't worry, we can be there in an hour. And just worth mentioning (laughs) but ahsoka as they're like turning obi-wan's turning to leave ahsoka goes you're going to abandon bo-katan and her people and obi-wan says ahsoka surely you understand that this is a pivotal moment in the clone wars the heart of the republic is under attack and ahsoka says i understand that as usual you're playing politics this is why the people have lost faith in the jedi i had to until i was reminded of what the order means to people who truly need us and Obi-Wan says, right now, people on Coruscant need us. And Ahsoka responds back, no, the Chancellor needs you. And Obi-Wan says, that's not fair. And Ahsoka says, I'm not trying to be. Good God, this conversation blew my mind. Can you imagine Ahsoka ever talking to Obi-Wan like this? No, <laughs> she was it was still, the best. It was so good. But I think this this conversation goes so well into what you were saying about a failure to listen and about the rigidity of politics clouding judgment because – here you have this perfect contrast of Bo-Katan and Ahsoka coming to Anakin and Obi-Wan with an opportunity to get, you know, Darth Maul, who's been a thorn in their side for years at this point, and an entire planet is under siege. And Obi-Wan says, I have to go talk to the council about it and see what they say. And like you said, Bo-Katan is, you know, so angry. She's like, there's no time for that. You are on the council. You should make the decision. Like she, like you said, time is of the essence for both of them. They're very urgent in their requests. But as soon as something happens with the chancellor, he's the exception to the rule. And everything swings into motion so quickly. They can be there in under an hour. But how long was it going to take Obi-Wan to go and talk and advise the council on whether or not they should send men uh, send part of their army to go help Bo-Katan and Ahsoka rescue this entire planet. But when it's just one person, the Chancellor, suddenly 
none of that matters. There is no more red tape. There's always exceptions for people. But, you know, I think that when Obi-Wan says at the at the end of that conversation, when he tells Ahsoka that's not fair, it's it's true. Like Ahsoka isn't being fair because as far as Obi-Wan knows in this moment, that's the leader of their whole cause. And mm-hmm. it is important to protect the Chancellor. But as the audience, of course, we know that he's the orchestrator of this whole thing. And Ahsoka, but Ahsoka is also right. Like they're sacrifice they're willing to sacrifice all of Mandalore and the opportunity to get Maul and who knows what he could do down the line for one person that a lot of people have doubted, including Obi-Wan. But Obi-Wan is so caught in, like you said, the machinations of what he has to do as an advisor and as a master on the Jedi Council, that he can't extricate himself from that system in order to do what needs to be done. And it's it's rough. And this conversation is so intense. It was so surprising and one that only Ahsoka could have if she had left the Order. Yeah, exactly. But actually, at the same time, she was still feisty. This is like her feistiness, but informed feistiness you know what I mean experience outweighs everything you know this this isn't feistiness though I would this is accusatory and yeah yeah and you know you have to also keep in mind that Obi-Wan was a part of the council that expelled her right and that is crucial to remember here because I think she could be hurling these words at Anakin too but I don't really it's really a conversation between Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, Anakin is an observer and his expressions are so interesting. There's there's something about this episode where there's like so many micro expressions that so you can, many. You, you could do so much analysis about them. And I wish we could do it, but we're an audio podcast, so it's kind of <laughs> hard. But like, you know, even Ahsoka's responses to certain gifts and the the, the clones and walking down the hallway and everything. I, it's really difficult for me to read all the emotions going on into her 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 face, and I, I think that's obviously purposeful. She is surprised and overwhelmed, maybe a little embarrassed when all the clones reveal themselves, you know, um, with the paint. And I think that it's, I think she's really um, filled with gratitude for sure. And but I think that it's it's really so complicated. And mm-hmm. I think the animators have done such a great job by showing all these really micro expressions. And a good example is Anakin in this conversation, where back and forth, Anakin is. I think there's a little bit of a grin, and then there's there's a little bit of hey hey like calm down. There's a little bit of you're right, Ahsoka, like keep going. And I think it's it's interesting because he's also being called out here, too, because of his own relationship with the Chancellor. And I wonder if he thinks about that. And that's something that you and I brought up when we were watching Revenge of the Sith of, wow, like I wonder if he really was thinking about this conversation when, you know, he has... That in in Revenge of the Sith, the one of the one of the best scenes is right after um, after Anakin and uh, Obi Wan leave the council, and Obi Wan gives Anakin his you know secret mission to spy on the Chancellor. You wonder if the conversations that this conversation was in Anakin's mind when they were talking about you know it's oh it's what you wanted like spying on the Chancellor is going against. Um, 
you're you're at what you're asking me is going against uh the council it's going against being a jedi it's going against being a friend and i don't know what to think about this you know and it really does echo to me this conversation what anakin is probably was probably feeling in in this moment Mm -hmm. it's kind of so surprising that he would allow ahsoka to talk to obi-wan this way and because like again that's He's still he's still wanting to treat her like his Padawan. He's, you know, asking how she's doing. Why were you off planet? Here's a present or 10. And <laughs> like, or 40. I don't know. How many presents do I have? <laughs> he really went for it. <laughs> and it's just I I'm sure I've probably forgotten somewhere throughout the Clone Wars, but this really does feel like the most aggressive conversation we've seen between like a master and an apprentice. And Ahsoka, I think, has always had just so much respect for Obi-Wan, and it is such a surprising conversation. And I think that what we get in Revenge of the Sith is the most aggressive between Anakin and Obi-Wan that we see, whereas a lot of their conversations in Clone Wars are pretty bantery or they're born out of situations honestly the ones that i think of the most are when ahsoka is in trouble and kidnapped and obi-wan is trying to advise anakin but he knows that anakin is just going to go and do what he wants to do and it's interesting like you said that anakin ends up having to use his own quote-unquote power to ameliorate the situation between ahsoka and obi-wan and he's like but he doesn't he doesn't side with anyone. He doesn't offer his own opinion on the conversation that they've had. He just like like we said at the top of the show, Anakin is just so he's he's pretty chipper in this episode and he just wants to he just wants to keep riding that emotional roller coaster up. <laughs> and he's 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 like, I, I know, I'll just like I'll divide the council, I'll divide the the company and I'll give half to Ahsoka. It'll be fine. And and this is kind of a low blow from Obi-Wan to be like, well, she's not actually in the army anymore, so you can't do that <laughs> in front of Ahsoka <laughs> when he's the one that kicked her out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, rough. Right? I think that Anakin is just so desperate. You're Yes, you're right. Anakin is just so desperate to keep Ahsoka around, I think. I think he just – he loves her, right? And I think mm -hmm. it's it, – it comes through here where it's like, look, I have this <laughs> – these presents and I improved these lightsabers and yeah, they're blue now. And I think that you're supposed to think, why are they blue? You know, and one has to wonder that they were green before, you know, one has to wonder, are they blue because Anakin wanted to like leave a little piece of himself with her? Like, ever like remind her that he's there, that he made them, that he improved them. It's like, it's so easy to think that, right? And it hurts a lot. And I think Anakin is a character who loves so much that he just wants all the people around him to be with him. And that they just, he, he wants Ahsoka to like continue to do cool adventures with him. And it makes me so sad because he's like, here, look at these clones. Like they love you. Like, great. <laughs> they painted their, their helmet. Now come back. Yay. <laughs> Here, here are these lightsabers. I improved them. They're better than ever. <laughs> Come back. Yay. <laughs> you know, and there's two of them. <laughs> Weren't you so glad that I was your master and not Obi-Wan? <laughs> yeah. And I even was thinking about how there was this, there's this line. I don't even know if it's canon anymore, but I've thought about it a lot about how 
in maybe some visual dictionary, maybe some art of book or something, how it talks about how Anakin wasn't a big fan of Ahsoka doing the backwards grip with, that she held with the two lightsabers. Mm-hmm. And I think that even her coming back and him giving these two lightsabers, it's like, you know, that was great. Like, you did such a great job. You were so great when you were a Jedi. Like, come back, you know? And it makes me sad. But I think it's it's it was perfect because I think this emotion that you see in this expression of of love really does carry over into at least the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, where Anakin is won't leave Obi-Wan when he has a whole like deck dropped on him <laughs> you know he, in in on the invisible hand in the beginning of revenge of the sith over coruscant and he carries obi-wan he's like he's, his fate's gonna be the same as ours like he's my best friend he's my bro like i got his back literally you know and i and then when he gets he gets down to the planet he's like i'm gonna have my my time with padme i can't wait to see her i don't care what even happens anymore because i'm on cloud nine Everything is going so well. I'm. I saw Ahsoka again. I gave her this present that I've been carrying around for God knows how long, <laughs> and I, I saved Obi Wan. Obi Wan and I are, you know, back to being a duo. We had such a great time. Like I killed Dooku. That was a little bad, but I did it. We're really one step closer to finishing the war. All we need to do is get General Grievous, and Aww. I'm back with Padme, and she's pregnant, and it's the happiest moment of my life. You know. And I think that, and then of course that night it all comes crashing down, but for the like two days, he's on such a high being, you know, with, with the people that he loves and it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like like with Anakin on the emotional roller coaster, just like, you're like, there's this and this and this and this and this and this. Like, tell me I'm wrong. It was, it's like, it's insane. He also, he had a great moment where he, with the tactical droid, it was so, it felt so right, felt so Star Wars, a moment that was echoed by his son later. Like, everything was just so right. And this is so purposeful. You're supposed to be grinning. You're supposed to be like, yes, that's the Anakin I love. Like, he's doing things. He is helping people. That's what he talked about in The Phantom Menace when he was a little boy. And then, of course, everything changes in those 10 days in Revenge of the Sith. It's insane. It's, yes, I I literally could not say it any better or say any more than you did. (laughs) 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 I will say I found myself wondering how long Anakin has been carrying around these lightsabers. Like, (laughs) so cute. Can't contact his wife hardly ever. But (laughs) make sure to pack Ahsoka's lightsabers with him wherever he goes. Has not seen his wife in eight months. Has been in the Outer Rim sieges for God knows how long, but still but, has Ahsoka's lightsabers. Well, I in a box, <laughs> a really nice <laughs> gift box, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> you never know when a present is needed. <laughs> I, yeah, it, I found myself wondering, of course, you know, about the lost twenty and like that whole process and like decommissioning lightsabers like how that works like if they took her kyber crystals out of them and retired them or or even destroyed them and i found myself thinking a lot about the idea of ahsoka coming back into a leadership position and how obi-wan is against that because again he's locked into this rigidity of 
you know, she's not a part of the Grand Army of the Republic or whatever it's called any longer, but she's just this civilian now, but she is putting herself back into this leadership role. And, you know, I think if something like that were happening in the real world, we would be kind of suspicious of that. (laughs) But Anakin is always kind of turning a blind eye to those things that maybe shouldn't be happening not saying i'm not saying that ahsoka shouldn't obviously be helping bo-katan and bo-katan asked her to help and everything like that but it is interesting like the fact that her lightsabers were taken away from her uh if they were you know decommissioned or taken apart as part of like retiring them from use the fact that are there any stipulations that the Jedi Order has for people who leave the Order that just go into life as a civilian, but with these incredible powers and training and capabilities? I mean, th- it's a lot of question marks, honestly, in that vein. And then I guarantee that the Jedi Council doesn't know that Anakin has those lightsabers <laughs> <laughs> and that he's given them back to Ahsoka. <laughs> Yeah, well, one has to wonder if those those blue crystals are at some point like something, some of his, if they have been decommissioned and they remove the kyber since the kyber calls to, you know, one person and it belongs to one person. Now that it's blue, one has to wonder about Anakin's own influence on that and who gave the crystal for th- this specific lightsaber. Did you he know? go and get them because he knew that he yeah, wanted like, his lightsabers back together so that he could eventually put them in a gift box and then give them to her as a present? I mean, also remember that Anakin has lost like a billion lightsabers. <laughs> so one has to like think that perhaps he has just some kyber crystals lying around <laughs> because of his, his, his proclivity of losing lightsabers. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> Yeah, it it was there was just there was so much going on and I feel that we're kind of diving deep into character uh beats in this episode, but there was a lot going on as far as our our Clone Wars trio as it is. Okay, the last thing that we should talk about before character I think is Maul because I think there's and not specifically the character aspect of Maul, but in terms of the plot and the story, I think the Clone Wars has done something really, really fascinating by um, making it so that Anakin and Obi-Wan are going to capture a Sith Lord and take Dooku and rescue the Chancellor. And you also have Ahsoka at the same time, like literally the same time, um, going to capture a Sith Lord. And so you basically you have two parties now trying to capture a Sith Lord to end the war. And it's interesting because presumably neither happens, right? So you have Anakin instead killing Dooku, no capture, no trial. And he, upon reflecting, says, that's not the Jedi way, I shouldn't have done that. And then we also know that Maul survives. So what happens when Ahsoka captures Maul um, or the other way around? Or I don't know what's going to happen, right? We have no idea. I think Ahsoka will be fully tested in a different way than Anakin is because Anakin totally dipped to the dark side when he killed Dooku. So you have these parallel stories happening and the parallels cannot be stronger. I think both the Battle of Coruscant and this episode begin by a battle in the air and kind of descending down. Um, Both are really walking into traps. I think the the line um, from Obi-Wan in the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, like next move, spring the trap. 
Um, will Ahsoka be able to spring the trap now that they're stuck in the underworld, really in the pipes? Um, because all of the the Maldalorians were down there. It totally was a trap. They Maul had thought that um, was calling for a Jedi, not necessarily Ahsoka, but now they're in the den, they're in the nest, which is really interesting to me because I think sinking down into the lower levels of Mandalore, I was really, I, I don't know, I think every time we enter the pipes, some sort of lowering down in terms of mythic comparisons, this is really, we are down into the under, underworld. And I was thinking a lot about, for me, the immediate connection was Ahsoka in the Ahsoka Leaves arc when she is being followed by the Jedi and the clones. And she finally has that confrontation that we referred to a little while ago of um, with Anakin. And she uh, he says, like, I'll never let anything hurt you, Ahsoka, never. And she jumps at the end of that down um, to escape. And no one is trusting Ahsoka. And it's interesting because I think that both of those moments were moments of clarity and it really does remind me sort of of a cave scene um, where I wonder what the moment of clarity is going to be like in the next episode in in these pipes in the underworld when the truth comes out, when darkness is is tempted, um, when it could be easy to run away like it was in in the Ahsoka Leaves arc. But now she has to stay. I think that there's this this really interesting thing that's happening and um it definitely was a trap for uh, the Battle of Coruscant with Anakin and Obi-Wan as well, but they sprung the trap. So watching Ahsoka spring the trap will be interesting. Um, I I can't wait to see more of these parallels because I think that we can almost assume that kind of everything goes wrong. <laughs> so, or it doesn't, or it's just as exciting and happy as the when Anakin and Obi-Wan are able to like drive this burning half of a ship um into coruscant take out a couple buildings who knows like people like the martez sisters are in there you never know you know and i i think that it's what's going to happen then with ahsoka i think that it's been really fascinating to watch these parallel beats and to understand I think that there was even some choices by Kevin Kiner to connect the music to the beginning of the Battle of Coruscant to the beginning of the Siege of Mandalore. And um, I don't know. I there there's there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't think it's going to be all too happy by the end of this. No. <laughs> but I think you brought up a really good point. I feel like you've said everything I could want to say on this topic, but just that we did start the Siege of Mandalore with them dropping down from the sky and then getting progressively lower and lower. It really does just paint a picture of like darkness descending on this whole story. And that was something you and I were talking a lot about uh, when we were watching Revenge of the Sith last night is the lighting of Revenge of the Sith is so incredibly specific. And it's constantly in like the first two thirds of the film are depicted at sunset because the nighttime is coming and this is when it all falls apart. And you're just kind of continually seeing this like and the golden age of heroes has ended and the film is very golden until it's very dark. And it follows Anakin's descent, basically. And so I wonder if we'll see something similar like that throughout the rest of the Siege of Mandalore that we can kind of track, too, because now we really have descended into the underworld. 
what are the next couple of episodes going to look like? We do have that scene that we saw in promos of Maul and Ahsoka battling in that in like the great hallway or the throne room or something like that. And it looks it looks like nighttime, right? Am I remembering the picture correctly? <laughs> it looks like nighttime or sunset or something. Yeah, like dusk kind of. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we'll see something like that that we'll be able to track once the entire Siege of Mandalore arc is complete. I also thought you brought up a really good point about like the parallels of them each going – like Anakin and Ahsoka both going off to capture Sith Lords and what they will – like the lines that they do or do not cross in order to complete their mission – Of course, Anakin crosses the line that he shouldn't have crossed, but we know that Ahsoka in the future later does not consider herself a Jedi. And so I wonder if, if put in like put into a really difficult situation, if we'll see her be willing to make the call to kill Maul herself if she can, or even like she's just had this really antagonistic conversation with Obi-Wan where she's still frustrated with Obi-Wan and the Jedi Order as a whole if she'll want to bring Maul back to the Republic to be tried, if that will even be a part of her conversations with Maul or with Bo-Katan or, you know, in any of that. It'll be really interesting to see how she responds or if she even gets that opportunity because maybe she doesn't actually ever get that opportunity. Yeah. You know, we have this quote here in our um, our notes that refers to Maul as the renegade Sith Lord Maul. I can't remember who said that, if it's bo or Ahsoka, but it's interesting the word renegade, where I agree that's a good way to describe Maul, but even in this conversation, I would argue that it's a good way to describe Ahsoka too. In this moment, she's exhibiting the, maybe the most Jedi of Jedi principles, um, but not being part of the rigidity of the council or the order or anything like that. She in in herself is a renegade. So it's interesting that we have two renegades. And what does that mean? <laughs> Lady Tano, who knows? I don't yeah. know. I'm excited. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Okay, so are we ready to move on to character? Yes. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council. And without you. Okay, welcome to part three where we're talking about character. I think we've talked a lot about Anakin so far in this episode. I also think we've talked a lot about Ahsoka too. But one thing I wanted to add on Anakin is just that his floofy hair is just looking so good in this episode. So good. Really so good. Top-notch hair. So good. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about him more, but I do feel like we we did a bit of a deep dive on him in the second part. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> when I just went off for some reason. <laughs> just talking about how happy he was. <laughs> Sad, okay. <laughs> Happy endings are important. <laughs> uh, there were just a couple other things I wanted to discuss about Ahsoka. I think it's like you said, there are just so many minuscule facial. I think you called it this in our last episode, but micro moments. 
with these characters and their facial expressions. And it really is difficult to track exactly what Ahsoka is thinking throughout this episode. She really does go through kind of a whole range of emotions. And, you know, I know we keep talking about it, but the conversation, the argument with Obi-Wan when Anakin is there the immediate shift in her tone from when she's talking about talking to Obi-Wan versus Anakin afterwards is so good. <laughs> and if I were if I were Obi-Wan and had heard her shift tones the way she did, I would be like, excuse me, I was also a very formative part of your childhood too, okay? <laughs> like, I made mistakes, yes, but you don't have to lower your voice 12 octaves and cross your arms and glare at me when you talk to me and then completely unravel and speak at your normal uh, octave when you talk to Anakin. <laughs> but... I think the it, it it all really was so complicated and I the fact that she doesn't tell Obi-Wan may the force be with you as he walks away as he does to her I thought was a really interesting moment and also the way that like immediately after he leaves Anakin is telling her you know you'll, it's part of his happy speech right he's like you'll go get Maul I'll go get Dooku all this will be over everything will be greatly with a little bit of luck this will all be over soon and immediately even though ahsoka has just yelled at obi-wan for longer than she probably ever has before in her life she immediately brings up his teachings in a very like serious way just master kenobi always said there's no such thing as luck and i just thought it was it was so interesting for her to reference his teaching that is clearly ingrained in her even though she was just so visibly upset with him and again, kind of comparing her reactions to Obi-Wan and Anakin, she is very accusatory of Obi-Wan and his role in the Jedi Order. But this episode makes it really clear that she doesn't view Anakin that way. And after Obi-Wan leaves, she says, thank you for the support as always. And they did have that moment in the Ahsoka Leaves arc of Anakin, you know, questioning her doubting him he's like i would never leave you i supported you why are you leaving and in that moment ahsoka does tell him i know you i forget the line she's like i know you've been there for me i know you support me but i have to like go and do this on my own that whole spiel and here she says it again like thank you for for your support as always even though he's gonna be leaving with obi-wan to go do what the council says as well and even though he's kind of offered he's done what he can and giving her half of the 501st, he's still very much a part of the system that ultimately betrayed her. But her relationship with him is so uh, important and they mean so much to one another that it almost doesn't even really come up in her like talking to him. She still calls him master. It's, it's so layered. She calls him master, but she also does call him Anakin. But yeah, and but she, I, I think she that did that in... switching between, but yeah, she did that at the end of Ahsoka Leaves too. But yeah. I think it, it was an interesting switch up. I have a question for you. Do you think when Ahsoka and Bo-Katan get off the ship, do you think that Ahsoka is on the defensive? Yeah, I do. Do you think that she's trying to prove something to them? I think she kind of has her guard up. I don't think she really knows because. She's probably the, I mean, she's the one that had their frequency. So she's, she was like, we'll call when she's with Bo-Katan, she was the one who was likely saying, I can use this frequency and I can get in contact with Anakin and Obi-Wan. It's interesting because I think that she, in a way, 
I mean, Ahsoka's still a teenager, I can assume. And I think that after everything that she has been through in her own walkabout and her time alone and everything, I think that she is both on the defensive and trying to prove her maturity. And in a way, I think that she she's desperate for help and she's desperate to help Bo-Katan. But it's, it's an interesting thing because I think her attitude was so surprising to me in this episode. I don't know about you, mm-hmm. that she wasn't like, Anakin, so good to see you. Like, the, you know, this, this snippy attitude that I um, – like, positively snippy is what I mean – that I was expecting to see Anakin again. But then when I think about it a, a lot, I'm like, this is exactly what she should have done. But it's it's interesting because – I don't think I expected her to be so curt in some of her replies and her, um, I don't know, when when she does get off the, the ship, it, it was so devastating to watch Anakin be like, wait, this isn't going to be like happy pal time? Because, yeah. <laughs> because the, the camera lingered on Anakin's face while he like visibly d- expresses that disappointment. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, it's, it's just an, to me, a concept to explore whether or not Ahsoka really did want to show how much she had changed. And to me, that can be kind of a relatable moment of going off to college, being your own person, and then returning back and being like, you know, look at me, like, I did all this cool stuff, you know, I'm a different person, and I am changed, and I understand how all you guys work, and I'm here, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that in a way, weird way is, is kind of relatable of um, when you have a big life change, and you do something independently, and then you return to that organization or that body of people or your family, and you're like, wait, you know, everything that you've done before is is problematic. And this is what I think now because I've experienced <laughs> the world. Every single thing you've done is problematic. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it – yeah, that's, that's what we've been saying is that it is just so hard to read her emotions. I think her conversation with Obi-Wan was a really important one. It's what we've been talking a lot about this season as far as really getting into – Ahsoka reconciling with the decision that she made and also unpacking it a little bit more herself. And I think that that conversation was a piece of it because then when you think about what was going on in the Ahsoka walkabout, clearly she's still like harbors so much affection and love for Anakin, calling him her older brother. She went to Skywalker Academy. She could have picked any name. (laughs) (laughs) to call that school (laughs) and she called it skywalker academy you know like i think i think you're right there is this i I think it's almost like trepidation of coming back into this place that she was kicked out of and she she doesn't she yeah i think it i think it's really complicated i keep thinking about her last conversation with anakin and Ahsoka leaves when she says, I have to sort this out on my own, away from the council and away from you. She, I think if she had left and she was like, Anakin, help me find a job or like, can I borrow some credits or let's have coffee biweekly? Anakin would have been like, yes, 100%. I will buy it every week. Not to worry. <laughs> I will bring you a <laughs> present too every time I see you. But I have a whole she, stash. I have a whole stash of <laughs> presents. <laughs> Do you need clothes? So uh, Padme has a tailor. 
but she very consciously made the decision that she needed she was not going to be in contact with him when she left the Jedi Order. And I think being in the position where he was the knowing like we talked about last week of Ahsoka's personality, that quote from Dave about like it's who Ahsoka is to help people and knowing that in order to fulfill that kind of life mission that she has of helping people, the best option that she has right now is to contact Anakin and Obi-Wan. But with that comes a lot of baggage and she's not ready to unpack that yet with Anakin, even though I don't even think Anakin wants to unpack that. He literally just wants to know, like that first, when he sees her on the hologram, it's so adorable. <laughs> He's like, oh, Ahsoka, what are you doing here? Where are you? Are you okay? Like He just really wants to make sure that she's all right. And she is very standoffish, but I think it's part of her urgency of the situation and then also that she's just not ready to do that yet. But maybe throughout this process, it would be sad, you know, like her thinking that, okay, I'm ready to talk to Anakin now and then she's never going to get that opportunity because, you know, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> That's sad, Kayla. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think it's I do think she's on the defensive. I think that she is trying to almost draw a line in the sand of like yeah. you were my master, you're not anymore. You don't get to ask questions about what I was doing on Obadiah. That's not your role in my life any longer. But then she's still calling him master and taking the lightsabers and is like reaching out for help. And it's a very teenagery thing to do. <laughs> right. And I think it's very like it goes back. I, I'm constantly thinking about is Anakin the father figure or the brother figure, the father figure or the brother figure. And in a lot of ways, I think I think in what which I think in this episode Ahsoka was willing to accept Anakin as the father figure rather than the brother figure, which is kind of like exactly what we need to see Anakin as at this point in his life. And I don't know. Do you agree with me on that? Mm, kind of. I mean, I think there are always sides of fatherhood with Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship, but I never think that that's the majority perspective that we should have with him. Yeah. If we're like bringing in that barometer metaphor of like, is he more like a brother? Is he more like a father? I think he's, I think in this episode, he's always, he's very much like a brother, like a big brother, like, welcome home. How are you doing? How was college? You don't want to talk to me? I have presents for you anyway. Yeah. But I see, I think that that's also fatherly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's in, cause it, it is super teenagey. So I, I don't know. I go back and forth. And such is the relationship of Anakin and Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I just, it was so layered the way that they presented it in this episode. And I know we've spent pretty much this entire discussion talking about the first half of this episode. But I think that that really was the important part. So I wonder if they're going to layer on more complications where they're they able will. to throughout the they next few episodes, considering that they're <laughs> yes, going to they be will. separated, that like they're not going to be together again. They 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 will layer on the complications. It's com yeah, it'll be Complication like, City. These specific these specific <laughs> complications. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Rex because I think there was a really great moment that reminded me of the Clone Wars movie of uh, when. Rex says, you know, I didn't think to bring you a jetpack. And Ahsoka says, I don't need one and kind of jumps out of the the ship. And, you know, it, it's just like old times, really. 
and they race each other down, it really brought back a lot of emotions about the race that happened in the original Clone Wars movie Mm -hmm. um, when they race up. But here they're racing down, which I think is uh, interesting because we started the entire Clone Wars journey with an ascent and we referenced this before and now we're descending down. And it is really like we're descending down into the tragedy of it all with Revenge of the Sith and everything. But I really liked this moment between um, Ahsoka and Rex because after everything, you know, experience outrakes everything. Ahsoka is so experienced now. And you have the moment also of, you know, being constantly referred to as commander and that, that, that energy that you feel about the fact that she's earned that I think is, so great and something that you only see really in like seven whole seasons of character development with Ahsoka. (laughs) And um, I really liked this moment. And I think we're going to get more Ahsoka and Rex moments going forward. I think that Ahsoka will be with Rex when Order 66 happens. So it'd be really, really fascinating to see that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I wonder if, you know, I don't know if we've talked about this, but if they actually would turn on her since she's not a Jedi anymore oh my god that's interesting and like there aren't any other jedi there with them i have never considered this yeah no me neither and i'm like what does that mean (laughs) like when when that button when that chip is set off does it how does it work is it like a catalog is it updated daily for jedi who die and or leave (laughs) like (laughs) Especially if she's not the commander of the mission, Rex is, and instead she's just, quote, the advisor. advisor. Yeah, but yeah. she's like favors. Yeah, which is an indicator. So I don't know. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I think that'll yeah, I be played played with. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> huh. Interesting. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only have to wait two and a half more weeks, three weeks for that. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Pain awaits. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the Rex moments were really, it was nice to see them together. And I loved when she tells him that she beat him down at the bottom. It was just, it was good. And like you said, I think he he wasn't as present in this episode, but that's only going to increase in the next three tenfold. So I think, I think he'll definitely be the second leading character for the rest of the episodes. So I'm looking forward to seeing that and just seeing maybe what kind of angsty conversations they'll have. I always circle back to the angsty conversation. It's a good where place to there, circle back, though. Where is there an opportunity to cry? <laughs> There's always an opportunity to cry. Show me. <laughs> From the opening sequence to the end. To the end. As I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the only other character on our list for this episode was Obi-Wan. And again, we've talked a lot about him, but I don't think we've mentioned or mentioned very briefly that it was, I say good, but not good to to see Satine be brought up with Bo-Katan, knowing how Obi-Wan feels about her and this really somber moment when he says that he does care, he did care about Satine, he still cares about Satine. And then there's this pause and he says, but I can't allow my feelings to cloud my judgment. And again, the camera makes a very specific choice to not look at Obi-Wan in this moment, but to look at Anakin. And you almost see Anakin almost like tilt, like quirk his head, kind of like a dog, like, huh, 
never heard of that before. <laughs> no, I think to me, I read that more as that's interesting to hear Obi-Wan say, wow, we've never talked about that. Interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's like never considered that. I think it's more like never considered that ever coming out of Obi-Wan's mouth because that's something that while it's probably been hurled at Anakin like hundreds of times and I can actually think of a specific instance in Attack of the Clones when Padme falls out of the ship and they have that screaming match but I I think that it's which is actually a really good moment and doesn't get talked about enough but I think Mm. that it's to me it was that was it was always in reference to Anakin and to have this be in reference to Obi-Wan I think was a surprising moment when I think every sort of interaction with Satine in the past has been um and and Anakin I think has been really funny you know the whole the girlfriend conversation and everything I loved those but I don't Mm -hmm. think it's ever been serious especially after Satine died and I think that it's also interesting to think about Bo-Katan's perspective of Obi-Wan where back when in in the lawless that that episode when she sees Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan is dressed as a Mandalorian. He is willing to go like behind enemy lines, really and put everything on the line in this episode that is really cutthroat. And then he meets up with Bo-Katan and doesn't find out that Bo-Katan is Satine's sister until kind of t- the end. So I, I don't know. I think that Bo-Katan's perspective of Obi-Wan is probably very different than what she is seeing in in this episode, which is a very traditionally dressed Jedi who is super rigid, who wants to talk to the council. Back when she saw him last, it was uh, everything on the line to save Satine, to to kill Maul, to you know change the fate of Mandalore. You know mm-hmm. things were different, and here it's back to the old adage of obi-wan being not being able to you know embrace his his emotions his feelings and maybe they don't need to cloud his judgment but it it truly is the lack of um humanitarian aid a humanitarian effort at this point yeah yeah it's just it it was a good moment and you're right that that line is more about anakin and his response to it and how he is very much going to let his feelings cloud his judgments, even though the Anakin and Obi-Wan are both wrong in both of their situations. And that's that's Star Wars for you. <laughs> <laughs> Most of it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything – I mean, I know there's stuff we're forgetting about this episode, but is there anything major that you feel we haven't discussed yet? Um, just one final thing. I think it's really interesting that they make a reference to Shakti protecting Palpatine. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the start of everything. And that really sets off a change in the way that we view canon. Because first off, that references the Clone Wars micro series, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then also it puts back into canon one of the deleted scenes. Because in the past, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting the details a little wrong in my head, but there are two conflicting Shakti moments of, of her death, and one is on the invisible hand and Grievous kills her. And I think that this that comment then puts everything back 
puts that scene back into canon and Shakti perhaps died on the invisible hand protecting the chancellor since she was with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a good moment. This episode, it just it threaded a lot of things very well. And this was just one of oh my those, god, expertly one expertly. of those threads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I do think that is going to wrap it up. I say that like we haven't been talking for nearly two hours about a twenty-seven minute episode. <laughs> Would you expect like, any less? Like to be honest, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm surprised no. we haven't gone over the two-hour mark. Definitely not. <laughs> I just think it's it's funny. <laughs> classic (laughs) yeah yeah classic but i think i think everyone who's talking about these episodes podcasting youtubing chatting with friends everyone it's like you can't stop talking about it it's it's all so good so i think that is gonna wrap it up for this week's episode but we will be back very soon to talk about the next episode siege mandalore part two it's gonna blow our minds um but if you want to find us online you can head on over to our twitter which is at skytalkers pod or our personal handles charlotte's is at clarity and mine is at caitlin plusher and you can also find us on facebook instagram we have our website skytalkers.com or our email skytalkerspodcast at gmail.com wherever you'd like to find us you probably can and if you haven't left us a review on itunes yet it would mean a lot to us if you took a minute or two to do that so that other people can find our show and join in the conversation as well. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Absolutely. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons. Amy, Kelly, Courtney, Cherie, Suara, Neil, Martin, Brandon, Larry, Bethany, Joey, and Jason. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods, the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.